And we're black. I mean, we're back. It's your good friend A.A. Ron. We're in Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 1, we, we talked about love and God's love for Israel. But at the end, you basically saying, y'all don't love me in return with these. Uh, <laughs> I see right through you with these these Father's Day type gifts. He's like, y'all treat me like, like it's Father's Day. Uh, Mother's Day. Mother gets everything. Father's Day, I get these told these these ties with holes in it. Ties you got at the flea market. Moth eating. <laughs> uh, these these sacrifice animals, these lambs with one eye, blind lambs. Y'all give me all the stuff that nobody wants. It's interesting. It's interesting too because now, like I remember that one song as a kid. I don't know where I heard it from, but my dad used to play it a lot. He'd be like, "We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, and we'll offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving." Yeah. Anyway. Ah. <sighs> So nowadays, like our worship is the sacrifice. It's like sweetness. Whenever we praise God with our time, talent, and treasure and the gifts that he's given us, it's not just singing, but it can be art. It can be dancing. It could be you name it. But even specifically, yeah, in church or uh, in corporate worship, you know, and we sometimes it's tempting to just sit down, want to sit down or, you know, not really ever raise our hands. And not to say if you sit down and you don't raise your hand in church that somehow that makes you less of a Christian or whatever. And people who run around the church and are falling out on their knees are somehow more worthy. Um, but there's something about our heart position like God. He. He, he can tell like when our heart is in it or when we're just going through the motions just like a marriage they a wife can a spouse can tell when one of the partners is just going through the motions of the marriage anyway that goes both ways in the bed in the bedroom and outside the bedroom but we ain't gonna go there right now all right a warning to the priest it's just easy to forget that god has feelings and emotions too like yeah and he can see right through our uh he knows us like we can't fake it for him he knows us inside and out all right listen you priests this command is for you this command is for you verse two listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name says the lord of heaven's armies or i will bring a terrible curse against you I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from the festival sacrifices, and I will throw you on the manure pile. 
See, this is the part I don't get. <laughs> this love, this same loving and tender guy says stuff like this. Like, this is why some people, they have a hard time reading the Bible and understand, but you have to read it in its full context. You got to really read it in the full context and not always jump to conclusions, but ask the Lord, okay, I know this is written thousands of years, two, over 2,000 years ago for a particular group of people, this particular group of people, but how does that still apply to me today? Because in a lot of ways, my heart can be just like these people he was writing to. Verse 4. Then at last you will know it was I who sent you with this warning so that my covenant with the Levites can continue, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. And once, I believe, I didn't read the introduction to Malachi, but Malachi was one of the minor prophets, I believe, who was writing this. So God was speaking through him to these folks. I think that's how, yeah. Go do your own research, but let's just keep going. Verse 5, the purpose of my covenant with the Levites... Let me go back to verse four. Then at last you will know it was I who sent you this warning so that my covenant with the Levites can continue, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The purpose of my covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace. And that is what I gave them. This required reverence from them. And they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. That's what when people talk about fear of the Lord, that's what I think of, like reverence and awe for God and his power and who he is and there's times where I tell my kids, like, did y'all forget that I'm bigger than y'all? Like, I, <laughs> not that I'm going to, like, exert my force on you all, but, like, I literally could just pick y'all up and put you where I need to put you if I need to. Um, when y'all say you don't want to do something. I had to check my oldest daughter recently when I told her to. I had already taken the trash out. I had taken the bag of trash out of the trash been and all I asked her to do was carry it for me on the way out when we were as we were leaving and she tried to get attitude with me and say she would do it and I was like I had to look her in the eye be like I'm still your daddy <laughs> and sometimes I feel like we treat God that way like yeah we can yeah anyway I don't want to take out the trash guy Whatever that may be, fill in the blank. You know what that is. We all know those things that you feel like the Lord is telling you to do. But take out the trash and you don't want to do it. Um, and yeah, if y'all go back, go back and read some of the old stuff that we already read about the Levites. They were set apart. I believe they weren't allowed to work regular jobs um, or take a salary. They, they lived off of the, uh, the tithes and offerings from... Uh, the people that were collected, they were set apart. Their one job all day was just to worship the Lord all day long and make sacrifices and, and pray and intercede on behalf of the people. They passed on to the people, the two, verse 6, they passed on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. They did not lie or cheat. They walked with me, living good and righteous lives, and they turned many from lives of sin. Verse 7, the words of a priest's lips should preserve knowledge of God, and people should go to him for instruction, for the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies. That's still 
once we go into the New Testament, we start talking about the, the gifts and the fivefold ministry and all those different things. Um, yeah, that's still one of the job, two main jobs of a, of, a, of a priest or a pastor in a church is to instruct. And here he goes, yeah, preserve knowledge and instruct and be a messenger of the Lord. But you priests have left God's paths. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into sin. You have corrupted the covenant I made with the Levites, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. So I have made you despised and humiliated in the eyes of all the people, for you have not obeyed me, but have shown favoritism in the way you carry out my instructions. Hmm. A call to faithfulness, verse 10. Are we not all children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? Then why do we betray each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors? It goes back to that that phrase I was just saying earlier when people say we're all God's children. Yeah, we're always creation, but not all of us are his children. Anyway, let's just keep going. Verse 11. Judah has been unfaithful and a detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. The men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. Uh-oh. I wonder what it would say about this generation. <laughs> Y'all have married women, uh, married spouses who love to watch Netflix all day. That's a new idol. Like, you can make you can make anything an idol. This thing, you can make, I can make this... Bucket of change, my idol. Can make one of these cell phones my idol. Idolatry is so, it's kind of like racism. It's very covert now. It's not as overt as it used to be. May the Lord cut off from the nation of Israel every last man who has done this and yet brings an offering to the Lord of heaven's armies. That might be cut off. Verse 13, here is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. You want to rule out? You really want to know? Do you really want to know? You ever have somebody ask you a question and you say, do you really want to know the answer to that question? Do you really want to know? You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage. The wife of your marriage vows. Hmm. Verse 15. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? You have wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased with them. Basically calling good, evil good and good evil. There's a scripture that says, I think in Revelation it says it's going to be like that in these last days, which you already see. 
you have wearied him by asking, where is the God of justice? So scriptures like this are hard to hear. And you start time they start talking about divorce because I'm divorced. Um, it wasn't my choice, but in a way I uh, did something, a lot of things that kind of like, yeah, I won't go into details of all that right now, but um, yeah, let's just say I, I ran even after we had, we tried to work things out, I ran. And sometimes when I hear read scriptures like this and I think about what state of mind I was in leading up to the divorce and during the divorce and then after the divorce, freshly after it, I'm like, man, I was a hot mess. And it's like hard sometimes to read scriptures like this because it's like you want to go back and talk to that version of yourself um, and have a do over and yeah but that's life some things we get a God is a God of second chances and third and fourth fifth seven thousand chances but some do-overs don't always opportunities for do-overs or the reset button don't always come again and again and again eventually some, some of them can stop and you have to just move on and take the lessons that you learned in that situation and apply them to the next time you get an opportunity to be married again. So that's why I'm in no rush to get married again, even though I love the benefits. I love all, I would love all the benefits that come from marriage. But right now, I'm not in a position financially, emotionally, spiritually, I feel like, and from a work ethic standpoint because marriage involves a lot of work and I don't know if I'm ready to put that work in yet so it's going to take a miracle the grace of God for me to be ready for that that next step and a special woman that's willing to to help me out because <laughs> I need help yeah I need somebody I'm going to need somebody that has a lot of grace a lot of grace like a rookie quarterback <laughs> I still feel like that rookie quarterback, Aaron Jones, out there getting the start on day one, and he just fumbling and throwing interceptions the whole game. Anyway, I'll be back. Got two more chapters. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a says, But God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody, 
who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you've never asked Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray. Amen.